The views and opinions expressed by the guests on the following program do not necessarily represent those of Mark Radio, The Shepherd, or its advertisers. From the studios of The Shepherd Radio Network, it's Afternoons with Mike. This next hour is all about our walk with Jesus with local pastors, newsmakers, people who are making a difference for the gospel. Now, here is your host, Mike Gilland. It is that time again. Welcome back to another Afternoons with Mike. Heard daily here on the Shepherd Radio Network. And that is across the whole network of uh, cities from Orlando to Ocala and the villages, as well as in the area of Gainesville and Alachua County. We're glad to have you along with us. I've got some guests today. I'm so excited to have Mike Parks from Frontier Partners. They are heard as a sponsor for John Crossman's program called The Crossman Conversation. And we have those uh, commercials that are playing every time. I also had a chance to uh, talk to Daphne from there when I was at the Business Expo, the Chamber Expo. So it's great to have Mike Parks here. Mike, welcome to our program. Thank you. It's great to have you here and got to meet you when we recorded a program with John, which will be on later on in the month or even next month. I'm not sure when that's going to happen. Along with Mike Parks in the studio today is Jamal Hashway. I think I said that right, Jamal. Yes. Good. I made it first time. It's great to have you here. You represent Refuge Cities and the Refuge Cities Network. And I know that you two guys, Frontier Partners, as well as Refuge, work together, right? Correct. Yes, we do. That's right. And the country that you're from is Jordan. Is that right? True. All right. Now, this is going to be an exciting uh, thing. I'd love to hear your stories. Mike, let's start with you. Tell us a little bit about your background, how you came to know the Lord. Okay. Well, uh, well, thanks uh, for having us on. We really appreciate this. This is a great opportunity. So thank you, first You're of all. You're certainly welcome. Um, yeah, I've been a, a believer for quite a while. I was about uh, 12 years old. I grew up, uh, my dad was Catholic. My mom was Baptist, which made for interesting conversations. And uh, But uh, I grew up Catholic, and, it, and um, I remember... In 1967, I had a catechism teacher who uh, ended up uh, talking to me, talking to us about Jesus. And I don't really remember specifics, but I remember I loved Jesus and I was excited. He went off to Vietnam and I just kind of went into a no man's land spiritually, but I, I did know the Lord. In 1981, I went to this church called Calvary Chapel, Riverside, California. Oh, wow. Yeah. And uh, this uh, pastor, Greg Glory, got up and he. And uh, the thing that floored me was I, I loved the worship. I loved the excitement in the air uh, for the gospel. But when Greg got up and he taught out of the book of Ephesians, and I was floored that I could understand the Lord spoke to me. I understood what he said. Mm -hmm. Well, the Holy Spirit just, that's when I got called to ministry. I went right back. To, I was in Wichita, Kansas at the time. I had graduated from the University of Nebraska and then ended up an engineer uh, at, uh, so you're an adult when all this is happening. Yes, yes, yes. Wow. So, um, yeah, so I'd graduated in 78 and in 81, got the call to ministry, went back, was working for Boeing as a structural design engineer, aircraft structures, and, um, started wow. serving the Lord, got excited. I, I played guitar and used to go around Wichita in different venues, <laughs> just mm -hmm. playing and, and, uh, then ended up leading worship. Uh, was this like during the coffee house time where... A lot of Christian groups were kind of gathering in small, like areas like coffee houses. In Wichita, I didn't find that venue. This was, mm -hmm. I was playing in bars and stuff. Oh. <laughs> yeah, so it was before serving the Lord. Then I got, started leading worship and, and, uh, and I just started going, like literally across the street on my mission journey. It began right about then. And I'd go out and just talk to people about their faith, about the, you know, uh, What salvation. year would this have been? You said 80? 1981. 1981, yeah. And then after that, I had, uh, the Lord kept calling me in 19, um, I well, 1998, I resigned as an, a, a, an engineer at Boeing, and I started a coffee house where I had that venue. I had lots mm -hmm. of Christian bands, and it was a, a real great experience, and I shut it down in 1999 and went to Kosovo. Wow. Kosovo. Why Kosovo? Well, because in the mid-90s, I was going into southern Sudan uh, 
via Kenya, we'd we'd hop up to this little town called Lokochokia or Loki, and then we'd fly on in and we'd do relief work in southern Sudan during the war. And then, um, so there, when, when uh, the first trip in, I was basically, we were going to do leadership training and a medical clinic. It ended up just being medical. There were so many people coming, hundreds, and my job was crowd control. And then they told me, they said, we can't see all these people. Choose. You choose who sees the doctor. And so I was looking at people intently, oh and I just, goodness. I'd never seen, it's the first time I really had seen such wounds of, of, from animals and machetes and bullets and yeah. emaciated children. And my heart broke for the desperately suffering. And I said, this is what I want to do, Lord. And that's when I soon after that resigned as an engineer. And there was a war going on at that time in Kosovo. Yeah. And so I went and, and, and flew into Thessaloniki, Greece, and hitchhiked up into this place called Duras, where there was a refugee camp. And I started working there. When the war ended, I rode in with the refugees back to their homes. I lived in Pristina for a while uh, with a, a Muslim Albanian uh, family, and I was serving the poor up in a village uh, just north of the capital. So no, the Lord not only called you to himself, but he gave you this heart for people and the gospel. And you're one of these guys that when you heard that, it didn't take you long to go into action. That's really amazing. Yeah, I was pretty excited about it. Yeah. That's really great. And, you know, you mentioned Greg Laurie. He's still at it, and God's, God's using that man. He's a great guy. Yeah. I've never met him, but I, I know who he is. I've heard him many times. He's not on uh, The Shepherd, per se, but he uh, is a friend of a friend. Mm -hmm. I have a friend who goes out and plays guitar named Doyle Dykes, mm -hmm. uh, and he goes out there to California and about once a year, I think, plays at his church. So in fact, the gospel becoming real to you, it just made a big impact. It did. It did. I was, uh, I immediately began intently studying the Bible um, and learning as much as I could, as, as fast as I could. And then I became a Bible teacher and then I became a pastor uh, along with being a worship leader and missions, the missions leader. And uh, um yeah, so like I said, I started across the street, and then yeah. uh, in, in 1984, a friend of mine was telling me about a mission base he had down in Baja, Mexico, and I thought, I want to go down there. So I was a, also the, a young adult pastor, and I went, went to them, and I said, hey, in two weeks, I'm going to go to Mexico, and we're going to do a mission trip. Wow. And I had this 1972, three on the tree, straight six, suburban, yellow, old school bus. It was all totally beat up. I used to haul my band equipment in it. And uh, loaded that thing up with beans and rice and shovels and people and clothes and drove to Mexico. And that's how I started my international International mission. work. Uh, and that's something that Frontier Partners would be known for. It's helping people, really giving a hand up to these areas that are impoverished. Exactly. Our, our goal is to bring the presence of, of Jesus into the, into the lives of the suffering least reached unreached people groups uh, that's how i ended up overseas uh working in afghanistan and sudan and other places like that um our, but we bring the gospel into their their presence through the love of christ through this physical caring for physical and emotional needs mm -hmm. and they know as we're believers that, that eventually no matter where we're at they will always ask why are you here and that's when we say because Jesus told me to come. Yeah. Simple as that. It is simple as that. Yeah. Um, and then we move on doing development work, like the hand up sort of thing, you know, uh, so that they're not just dependent on us, but mm -hmm. their lives can improve from there. I think that mentality is worth noting, isn't it? Where it's not just reaching out and giving a hand out. It's helping others to really sustain themselves once hearing the gospel. I mean, you're a perfect example of that. You heard the gospel, and it's it's sprung into action in your life. And that can happen even for these people that are in impoverished areas. They can actually do more than what they realize they can do once the gospel sets them free. Exactly. Exactly. A lot of poverty is, is a mindset. Um, we teach them, uh, one of the methodologies that we do use um, is, um, is to teach them to identify their problems, that they prioritize their problems, and then they 
come up with solutions for those problems using locally available resources. That's amazing. And so in doing that, they're not, eventually there's a strong element of injection of, of, of relief and effort on our side, but eventually down the road, they're going to be on their own. We're not going to be there forever. And we want them to be physically, emotionally sustainable as well as spiritually. Mm -hmm. And so through the course of this thing, I've seen lots of people come to Christ. I've seen lots of, uh, churches established that are owned they have ownership in 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 their uh, recovery and their development you know when i hear the story that you were telling about being down there and kind of your role of being the decider as to who gets medical treatment in that one scenario that had to be a gut-wrenching thing to say yes to one and no to another it was life-changing it was life-changing i'd never seen anything i mean literally people were dying as they were sitting in the the hot sun, uh, just sitting there waiting to see. You had some pass away. Oh yes. Oh yes. Oh wow. Yeah. So it was, um, I'd never experienced anything like that. And then, and that's where I really got the call to help. I wanted to help the desperately suffering. Mm -hmm. You know, before we go to the next, uh, the next topic here and talk to Jamal, uh, this whole thing of an awakening, if I could use that term that happened to you, and yet we look at our country right now, Mike, and this is the country that you heard the gospel in yourself. There are so many things that are going on right now that, uh, you know, people are, are seemingly, many people, now not everyone, but many people are seemingly going the other direction and kind of just like shutting down on this. Are, are, you came into the Lord at the end of a revival, basically. When you came in the early 80s, this big movement the Jesus movement was still kind of in the final, I guess, couple of years of that. You know, what what do you see right now that that you could offer as encouragement for for people who are longing for revival? Just do it. Just follow the Lord. Do what you think He wants. I I'm not I'm not as pessimistic pessimistic as a lot of people regarding the the church in America. There's many, many wonderful believers, and there's many great churches. Um, and I, I just, I, I think a lot of times the enemy wants to utilize discouragement mm -hmm. and get us to focus on the negative and the horrible, or we get, you know, we get consumed by the news cycle. We get consumed with with uh, uh, these things, and and things are bad. I mean, I in my mind, the world is is in chaos. Yeah, uh, it certainly the is. The whole world, yeah. and and so we, but but we focus on what our, our one, we got to focus on our part in Christ. Mm -hmm. What, what is the thing or the few things that, cause, uh, that God has called us to do? We don't, that we can only do a little bit. We're very, we're very small. And do you feel like part of the awakening could be just people getting involved, taking one of these short-term missions trips and, and getting out of Dodge, so to speak, and seeing what's going on in some of these countries, that would be an awakening for them. That's a good point, and absolutely yes. It's to get out and see what, other, what you know, work with some more extremely impoverished regions uh, that are under under difficulty, and get in there and experience and live a life for a while with other believers mm -hmm. uh, in other parts of the world. It's it's refreshing. It's encouraging when you see somebody who has little in comparison to what maybe you or I right. have, yet their joy is full. Yes. And, yeah. and it's, it's like, wow, I can, I yeah. really, I, I can really see this. It really does inspire a lot of believers to, to step it up and to get in there and, and, and go at it. Wow. That's great. Let's turn to Jamal for a moment here. Jamal, you're from Jordan. How did you come? You're in this uh, country that is pro predominantly Muslim, I would think, and how is it that you came to know the Lord? Well, uh, talking about Christians, um, we can go back to the first century when uh, actually at the day of Pentecost, there were 16 languages. One of the languages was Arabic. Mm -hmm. So it seems my great, great grandparents were probably at the day of Pentecost. And um, so Christianity was actually the religion of Jordan until the sixth century. Now, things changed after that, but there are very few Christians uh, continued at least keeping the name until, you know, the 20th and the 21st century. So um, um, my dad was among those. 
Uh, but he was very traditional, um, knowing not much about Jesus Christ, and uh, was visited in 1929 by an American missionary from the Christian and Missionary Alliance Church that came into Palestine in those days and found this young man and led him to Christ. And That was uh, your dad? That was my dad. And wow. uh, my dad went to um, uh, the Bible school in Jerusalem in the early 30s and became a minister and served the Lord until 48 uh, and then came to Jordan as refugees. So mm-hmm. we come from a refugee family. Now, 48 was a pretty big year for that area. It was a big year and um, where hundreds of thousands left their homes and came you know, to find refuge in the country of Jordan um, at that time. Now, uh, for my experience, <clears throat> I was born in Jordan and uh, uh, just literally living in a home where um, speaking about the Lord and living the life was very much uh, the same. So my dad would preach uh, on love and live love the rest mm. of the week, which for us uh, was very attractive to follow whatever he was following. Uh, so I chose from a very young age to say yes to the Lord and um, accept him as my Lord and Savior. And at age 14, uh, we, um, I heard the, the voice of the Lord taking, you know, to take me to a full-time ministry, which I did at school and at college. I was with the InterVarsity Christian Fellowship oh, uh, yeah. at, at college, yes. And you would then, be familiar with Jerry Bridges? Yes, and uh, John Stott yeah. and many others, you know, that <laughs> yeah. are my heroes were. And uh, after that, I joined Operation Mobilization. Uh, so I was on their ship, uh, Dulos, for mm-hmm. one year. And then the Bible Society, the United Bible Society, the American Bible Society for almost 24 years. And then after that, with the humanitarian work until today. Wow. And uh, for me, I would say um, I love the Lord and uh, if I would choose again, uh, go back and choose, I would choose what I have chosen. I had um, possibilities to take uh, careers as an accountant, which is my profession. Uh, the Lord said, I want you to be uh, serving alongside. So I said, yes, Lord. And it's a joy to see hundreds and thousands of people come to Christ. The Lord gave me the um, honor to serve in about 70 countries. Wow. And uh, I take this That's as an amazing. honor and give him all the glory. Yeah, you know, when you look around, and again, I think Americans, what we hear coming out of that part of the world, Jordan included, would not be anything of what you're describing. I mean, even to hear you, you from your perspective of talking about your country's history and how exciting that must be. I, I'm sure that your country has a much more rich uh, plan of remembering history correctly than what many in America do today, because uh, with all the stuff that's going on in our our country, it's like reshaping, uh, re reconditioning history. It is, you know, definitely not the same as what you would have grown up with. Mm-hmm. You know what I would say: uh, the general picture is the darker the night, the brighter the stars. So sometimes as uh, it gets dark and where we live, uh, spiritually speaking, can get very dark. Mm -hmm. And um, our prayer that through the Holy Spirit of God uh, that we will be shining on behalf of of heaven. Uh, And again, it's literally representing the Lord in that land. And the good news, I would say that there are many people that are choosing to follow the Lord. They are seeing the difference between darkness and light, and they are tired of darkness. Yeah, They want to see the light. And the good news, yes, there yeah. are some that are coming uh, to, to, to the Lord Jesus. We're going to finish with uh, Jamal and his, uh, his telling his story in a moment. This is very compelling. I'm very encouraged. I know you are too. So let's uh, join that again on the other side of the break. This is Afternoons with Mike, and you're on The Shepherd. EC Waters Air Conditioning and Heat serves all your comfort needs. With over 40 years experience, EC Waters is a top trained comfort specialist, earning customers for life with integrity. No wonder EC Waters Air Conditioning and Heat has earned a 4.6 or higher out of 5 rating and reviews across all major online platforms. For all your comfort needs, 
Call 407-603-9144 or visit ecwaters.com. Pastors and financial leaders, do you need expert accounting or tax help? Do you have payroll or 1099 questions? Do you need a ministry expert to help you acquire real estate for your next project? If the answer is yes, yes, and yes, visit PetraWorldwide.org. Petra Worldwide has been strengthening ministries to transform humanity since 2007. Visit PetraWorldwide.org or call 855-481-9095. Back with both Jamel and Mike Parks, Jamel Hashway uh, has been sharing his story growing up in Jordan. I'm still affected from what I heard you say about your dad being reached by somebody who was from the Christianary, uh, Christian Mission Alliance Church, I believe you said. That's right. Uh, and 1929, somebody goes on a missions trip to Jordan, talks to this Jordan, Jordanese person that's your dad, mm-hmm. and he accepts Jesus. Yeah. And what a beautiful, uh, legendary type of heritage you have. I mean, to think about growing up where one can say of their dad, he believed love and taught about love, but he came home and lived love. Yeah. Being a man that does that, man, that's really a wonderful story. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, you were sharing about uh, about the light in the darkness, and and this day and age, I mean, that point there are, there are reports again that many people would hear, and I I would bet that a lot hearing our interview today are maybe mildly surprised that there would be as much of a move of God going on in Jordan is what I'm hearing you say. Well, Jordan and beyond, actually, the whole Middle East now is um, listening more to the broadcast of heaven. You know, um, the thing is uh, where people have lost uh, confidence with what they thought was right. Now they're looking for the right answers. And um, it is not only for us to go and tell them about it, but prove to them that we care about them. Our, our situation, there are many uh, refugees in Jordan. As a matter of fact, uh, we received over 2 million refugees in the last 10 years, mainly from Syria, from Iraq, and from Yemen. And to tell a refugee that we love you and not do anything, that is empty mm-hmm. love. Because, you know, it, it is very clear that uh, empty stomachs don't have ears. And uh, you need mm. just to go. And Empty help stomachs don't have ears. No, they wow. won't. They won't hear you. You just go and tell them, look, you know, this loaf of bread that I yeah. have, I want to share it with you, to prove that I care and I love you. Yeah. And then they'll come and say, why? Yeah. Why do you actually love me? Sometimes, and I'm a musician. I love music. And there's a saying that says, when people hear the music of our lives, they will ask for the words. So all we need to do, go and play them the music of heaven. And then they'll say, okay, tell us the words. We're interested. That is a beautiful picture. I don't think I'll ever forget that, my friend. That was beautiful. Thank you. Man, the music of our lives, tell us the words. Because people at heart, you know, we go back to that old statement that was made many years ago, that there's a God-shaped hole in every human being. And yet in this world, you will, uh, you will find a lot of people who will tell you that's not true. And uh, the world is changing. And Jordan has not been uh, set free from all of those impacts, too. I mean, I, I know you, uh, you've just said it. There's a lot of darkness there. Yes. I mean, darkness is literally all over the world. I mean, you can have it in different uh, shapes. Uh, mm-hmm. But um, in, in our part of the world, people... Uh, don't really understand real love. You know, in the religion we live with, there are 99 names uh, of God, and none of these names is love. So the missing name is the one we want to introduce to the people in action, love in action. And then, yes, they say, okay, tell us more. Mm -hmm. Love that has hands and feet. Yeah. Uh, That makes a difference. And one of those groups that would have hands and feet would be sitting here with Mike Parks with yes. Frontier Partners. Yes, and Refuge Cities. We do and Refuge together. Cities, that's yeah, right. We do it together. Yeah, and so your organization, Refuge Cities, which I'm holding brochures that you've uh, blessed me with here, uh, you're reaching out to them, and 
there, you're right there. That's the thing I love about it. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing that I love about Frontier Partners is that Frontier Partners can be over here in the United States getting the word out about groups like yours. Mm-hmm. And you guys, that's why your name is perfect. You've partnered with them. Yes. Amen. That's what you're doing. And with both of these groups together, the gospel is going out. Amen. Yeah. Are you seeing are you seeing a lot of young people, Jamal, when uh, they're hearing this? It, would, would it be young people or older people that you see are turning to the Lord? Well, there is a very high interest uh, for people to know the truth. Uh, actually, my son-in-law married to my daughter uh, has an organization that uh, very much on the apologetics. And, uh, you know, every day there are people that added asking questions. He has over 400,000 followers now uh, wanting to know where the truth is. You see, intelligent people, people that have sense now know that what they got is not the truth. Mm-hmm. And they're looking for the truth. And you know, we are not going to waste our lives in arguments because we may win the argument and lose the person. A dark room only needs a candle. And then we bring the candle in and there is light. So all we need to do is not to argue and win an argument, but we tell them we love you and come and see this model of love that Jesus Christ has brought to the yeah. world. Love your enemies. What? Love your I can hardly love my those that love me, love your enemies. And people are stunned by that. Okay, we want to know more about this. And that's the age-old effect of the gospel, the yes. greatest story ever told. I mean, that it, that is the same thing that happened in the first century church. Yes. The truth is there, mm-hmm. and people clamor to the truth. Amen. Amen. That, that's something we've got to see. Go back to you for a moment, Mike. In America, why is it that this country that has heard probably more gospel preaching than just about any other nation in the world. Why is it that our ears are not listening for those lyrics, those words, as Jamel said? Well, I don't know if I have the blanket answer, but I think basically a lot lays at the doorstep of the church itself, that we need to be looking out at our communities, that we need to be reaching out into our own communities and and loving our neighbor as ourselves and loving our enemies, like Jamal was saying, and and uh, even in our society, the whole concept of loving your enemy, uh, going the extra mile and really doing it is, is something, it's unique to a lot of people. It's difficult. But I will also say that still the United States is, is a great country and we still are very compassionate people. Maybe we need a little extra spark to get that going, that, that furnace burning. Still, yeah, one of the biggest uh, supporters of missions around the world. Yes. And, and missions is changing. The world, the world of missions is changing, I think. But it, the still, we have a valuable place. Uh, the Church of America, the Church of the United States, has a very important, valuable place in, in world missions. And we need to continue to, uh, to, to think creatively and strategically mm-hmm by the Holy Spirit on how do we utilize the, the greatness of, of all the teaching and the, and the richness of the, of the church in America, how do we utilize those resources and get them out and strengthen the existing church in other parts of the world, as well as bring the gospel to those who have never heard. Mm, that's beautifully said. How did you meet Jamel? Well, there was a conference, conference in Jordan, I think. Many years it's been ago. 15 years or six, yeah. 17 mm-hmm. years. It's yeah. been a long time. Um, I think we were at a conference in Jordan, and and, uh, and Jamal was uh, hosting it, and and we got to know each other. And then through the years, we just can stayed in touch. Uh, we we worked alongside each other, and then after we formed uh, Frontier Partners International, uh, we began working together uh, very closely. And so the last couple of years is is we we've, we've uh, really integrated our 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 partnership our organizations uh, very closely. Well, let's talk about that for a moment. Uh, Frontier Partners is this ministry organization that God's given you. How how did how did uh, how does it work? Let's just say it that way, and then we'll take the same question to Jamal. Sure, sure. Um, Frontier Partners exist to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the suffering, the hurting in crisis regions, and then bringing long-term development. We work 
when there is a church, we work mm-hmm. alongside the church. And I always tell my friends, whether it's Iraq or Lebanon or, or Jordan, we, we see each other face to face. We are eye to eye. We're, we're equal to one another. We're hand to hand. Um, I'm not their boss. I, they're not my boss. We are, we're, we're part. So we strategize, we work together. And so we work in partnerships with, ex, with, uh, with, uh, those who are capable of carrying out work in foreign, in, in these other countries. Mm-hmm. If we have a place, if we go to a place, uh, which I have in the past where there is no church, then we, we try to find believers closest to that region to bring them into that area. And to form a church then. And to form a church. It's, yeah. It, it, yeah. And it's always with a capital C. Um, I don't, I don't promote any particular denomination. I've learned to work through the years uh, uh, in, in partnership with different churches that mm-hmm. have a little different varying ideas. So um, we got, uh, so that's what we do. And uh, like I say, if there is no church, we'll, we'll stay there and bring the gospel and, and try to raise up people from that particular area. And that's beautiful to see because it is so important to have such a local church there for any kind of gospel outreach that's going to to be sustained because they have to have that. It's God's plan. Well, that's in in long-term development, that gives us that opportunity to disciple mm-hmm. the, 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 the new believers that are coming in and strengthen them and raise up a church into that region. What's happening now in the world is the gospel's been preached in a lot of the world now. Uh, <clears throat> even when I started missions, from the time I started missions 40 years ago to today, it's, it's the gospel has immensely grown. Now, the, the church is immensely grown. So we can find, like in Iraq, we work with the, with the uh, what's the Ashti Evangelical Church, that means peace, Ashti, and we empower them. We let them, they, they know what they need. They know the culture. They know the, the security situations. And we work very closely with them to make a strategic plan on how, what kind of outreaches we're going to do, what kind of re, uh, relief and development projects we're going to do. And all the way to the point, uh, one thing that we do with Frontier Partners also is we intentionally help the believers, the churches. So in, in, in Iraq and in Kurdistan, we are translating Christ, solid Christian teaching materials into the Kurdish Sarani language, which gets across Kurdistan and into an adjacent closed country. Wow. Now, are you seeing these areas be persecuted uh, heavily for against the Christians? Were, were the people that are uh, maybe not so welcoming uh, that are really giving it to those that believe in Jesus? It really depends by region. Um, it's not pervasive. Like, for example, in Kurdistan, they have freedom of, of, of religion. They, they are allowed by the government. Yet, if they go into a particular village or, or some area where it's, it's, it's strongly sectarian, uh, it will, it, there's a lot of persecution. So it, it varies. And then adja- mm-hmm. the adjacent country is very dangerous for Christians. And, mm-hmm. and there is a, an underground church and persecution, and we're assisting those people also. But I think a lot of our listeners would be surprised to find out that a lot of the areas in the Middle East, they're not all underground, right? Oh, no. No. The church uh, in in Jordan, it's, it's, it's a, they have churches yeah. and buildings. And in Iraq, in uh, Kurdistan, they have subtle churches in the cities and in... Uh, the villages, they'll have home churches that are pretty much underground, and then the adjacent country, the church is underground. Mm-hmm. Right. Because it's uh, it's like you said, it's not even everywhere you go. So you've got some countries like Jordan that people can actually freely come and without fear gather That's and right. worship the Lord. That's it. How does your organization work, Refuge Networks? How does that work? Well, um, we very much... Um, start from relief because as as i mentioned uh, a moment ago that people need to to have their next meal they need to have a place to stay um they need sometimes when it comes to medical uh you know help so we started some centers where we have um, educational help we have um, vocational training to help people help themselves to become self-sustaining 
we have clinics uh, and a dental clinic is starting hopefully in the next month or so. So, um, you know, trying to help people uh, very much in um, trying to depend on themselves in the mm-hmm. long run. Now, beyond the spiritual side, which is really the ultimate uh, goal for us, for them to come and kneel before the cross, we want to help them practically. So we are not out there uh, banging somebody on their head, telling them repent or going to go hell to hell, but uh, tell them, look, you know, we care about you. We care about your children. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had uh, 21 uh, open heart surgeries for babies. Wow. All of them were successful. And uh, some of them were just about to, to die, actually, when uh, there was a rescue, a very complicated uh, operation. But the 21 of them uh, with their parents, um, you know, now have they have healthy, healthy babies. And many of the parents would come to us and say, tell us, why do you care? Why do you do this? What is it? You know, we're not the same. We're not from the same background. We're not from the same religion. Why do you care? Well, again, we play them the music of heaven and they'll ask for the lyrics, you know. And then um, this is really our mission. Our mission, the ultimate thing is to tell people there is hope in Christ. There is love that they have never experienced. On the way to that, uh, we look to care for them. And I just remember, you know, the story in the Bible where where Jesus fed the 5,000. It's actually 5,000 families. So maybe a total of 20,000, I don't know. But uh, he never looked at their identity card. Uh, All of them got uh, help. So we don't discriminate. We help everybody equally. And it helps very much because I come from a refugee family. I mean, when we came into Jordan, we had very little. So when I go to a family, and we do uh, many visits, we thousands of home visits, and we tell them, look, you know, we've been there. We understand your plight. Uh, we want to help you. Tell us how we can help you. And the results are amazing. Wow. And in every single home we go, regardless of their background, they accept that we pray for them. And uh, we know there is power in prayer. Yes, there is. Yes, God can change their lives. It's so exciting to hear. And that's Jamel Hashway. And that is Refuge Cities Network. Let's go ahead and uh, before we take a break and uh, get these websites out there. Jamel, give us the website for how people can find out information on that. Yes, our website is www.refugecities.org. RefugeCities.org. And let's go to Mike real quick. FrontierPartners.org. Frontier Partners. No hyphen, right? No hyphen. No hyphen. FrontierPartners.org. All right. Very good. We'll be back with our guests for one more segment coming up in a moment. This is Afternoons with Mike, and you're on The Shepherd. Palm Beach Atlantic University, Orlando, offers three distinct areas of study. An evening Master's of Science in Clinical Mental Health Counseling, an evening Bachelor's of Science in Human Services, and our new Daytime Bachelor's of Science in Nursing. All of our courses are offered at our beautiful campus on Millennia Boulevard. For more information or to schedule a tour, call 844-PBA-ORLANDO. That's 844-PBA-ORLANDO. Back for segment three, and with me is Mike Parks from Frontier Partners and also Jamel Hashway with Refuge Cities Network. And, you know, this whole thing, the work that you're doing, you're based in the United States, Mike, with Frontier Partners, and yet you're doing this work predominantly in the Middle East and other countries like that going out. Uh, And for you, Jamel, you're based in Jordan, but you come over to the U.S. uh, frequently because much of your support comes from those that are mission-minded in the U.S. So let's start with Frontier Partners. How is it that you guys are able to do what you're doing uh, all the way across the ocean and doing it with the excellence that you're doing it? How are you funded? Right. Well, we're funded by individuals, churches, businesses that that believe in what we're doing, that want to be a part of the work of of our mission. Wow. Simple as that. It's as simple. It's it's always we 
the whole term partnership, uh, you know, frontier partners, we partner overseas, but we also partner here. We, we totally uh, embrace the fact that people who donate to get this work done are part of the work. They're part of the team. And, and, uh, and so for example, we started, a uh, recently a, uh, a prayer time and inter- a, a zoom call, it'll be international, whoever wants to get in, but we also pray for our partners. Are we pray for people overseas, our partners overseas, we pray for our partners here in the U S. Yeah. You know, I don't think there's any question that people in America can get their eyes off of needs like this because everyday life just makes their path kind of busy and we can all get distracted. But correct me if I'm wrong, isn't it true that if a person takes a moment, finds out about a need like what you're talking about, or perhaps goes beyond that and might take a mission trip, like what we mentioned in one of the earlier segments, that whole perspective for them changes radically, doesn't it? Well, it does. It gives you, you get to walk with other people. You get to experience and, and at least see and and feel and smell the the environment that that other people live in and it makes the world a whole b- bunch bigger than what we can imagine it being right now because i know that a lot of folks would just have their eyes only on their their bottom of their checkbook bank line or whatever and just miss what's going on in the world because we're so kind of like closed in it's important it's important that we especially as believers uh, that we recognize that and that we be a part of that community of assisting others who are, are suffering. And I think for you, Jamel, it's really got to be exciting to bring back to the U.S., as you do when you come over here, uh, to bring back the reports because it's got to be eye-opening to people who hear you, as it is to me, that there is such a work going on in Jordan and beyond and that not only is it going on, but it's going on in such a way that people are wanting to hear the truth. It's, uh, it's le- really the continuation of uh, the Bible story. You know, Paul was talking to many churches in Europe who are actually supporting the work in the Middle East, mm-hmm. in Jerusalem and in the surrounding area. And it mm-hmm. continues. Uh, today, I really want to thank the American uh, believers' generosity uh, of helping uh, us and helping the world uh, to uh, actually help us to help people because money does not come with the rain. Uh, It comes from (laughs) a heart of people that believe in what you're doing and believe in the mission that you're part of. And uh, my being in the States uh, is to share that. And uh, I would report today that the... um, you know, people are really responding very much. Um, actually, last year we had 12 teams that came from the United States to work with us for a short while, a short-term teams, like mm-hmm. a week or 10 days. And it's a win-win. Everybody gets uh, part of the blessing. And at the end, together, hand in hand, we can do the work. You see, we're in the front lines. I'm an Arab. I love my people. I have no discrimination. Uh, and uh, want to help people. I speak the language. Um, I know the culture. And somebody would come and join hands with us. You know, hand in hand, we can do a great work for the kingdom. Now, what would it look like for someone from the U.S. taking a short-term missions trip with you over to Jordan? What would happen while they're there? Well, um, as I mentioned, we have medical centers. So uh, any doctors, nurses, uh, dentists that uh, would come, they will help us for a week or two. Uh, teachers, we teach English as a second language. Vocational training, like sewing. Uh, we just uh, last month or a couple months ago, we had a lady from the United States that came and gave a, a full course to the refugee ladies in sewing work. And we do a lot of home visits. So going to the home itself and seeing how people live, what their needs are, and we make sure every time we go, uh, we take something with us. Mm. Um, today, actually, um, we have started this uh, last few months um, a program where we actually uh, help people every month. It's a sponsorship program. So um, when teams come, we go again and spend time with the people, with the young people, answer their questions. Um, just literally 
have them feel human again. Many mm-hmm. of them would tell us, look, you know, we have lost our identity. We don't feel human any longer. But by seeing somebody going thousands of miles just to come and be with them uh, changes their lives. Mm-hmm. Mike, if I can turn to you again for a moment, what would be some of the biggest hindrances right now that Frontier Partners are facing in the work that you're doing? What well, do you need the most help with? Prayer first. Um, we have, uh, it's a real spiritual battle. I like, like Jamal said, in, in Kurdistan, we work uh, very near a town called Mosul. They still call it Nineveh. Nineveh, they, we still work, uh, in, uh, the, so it's an ancient, it's an uh, mm-hmm. ancient area. So, but also financial is a big thing. We're, we're translating materials into the Kurdish language. We're blessing the church. We're feeding Yazidi people who were, um, if you remember ISIS in 2014 and they took women and stole them and sold them. And, uh, mm. those were Yazidis. Uh, they've destroyed their towns and they're still can't go home because they're still fighting. Even ISIS is still present. Mm-hmm. in those those their home and so they can't go back and and so we're helping them we we're uh feeding uh and, and discipling refugees in in uh, lebanon syrian refugees there there's two million syrian refugees in lebanon and uh we we're, we're helping them uh through uh discipleship as well as skills training we have a a me- mobile medical uh clinic uh, so like with jamal you know there's opportunities in in lebanon also uh, these are and these are relatively safe places. Uh, a lot of times, people think everything is is on fire. It's just the fire's close. <laughs> it's not, yeah, and, right. But uh, uh, so we have opportunities uh, if uh, somebody wanted to go and take a short term trip to Lebanon, or if they wanted to just engage by donating uh, to these operations. These are these are not cheap. We also uh, hold pastors' conferences. We started doing that a couple years ago. The pastors. In these areas are stressed. They're under great strain. Mm-hmm. In Iraq, in Kurdistan, they're a very young church. They're young believers. They have very, like, that's why we're translating materials. There's very little solid biblical teaching there. And then um, also there, there's there's a lot of stress. They're separated. Sometimes they're in villages alone with a small church and a lot of uh, sectarian pressure against them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that we bring them together for a time. We call it time of refreshing. It's a, it's a time of, of, in the word, refreshing in the word, worship and fellowship. And we bring, uh, last time we brought about 120 in Iraq and about 90 in Lebanon. We want to do that again. That's something if somebody would, had a heart for pastors and they're with pastors, wives and leaders. And, and we bring their families together mm-hmm. for this time. If anybody was interested in that, we definitely are. Uh, that's going to be in early August. So we're on the roll now getting all that, that prepared. So that those. That's that's probably the main. I say prayer and financial uh, gifts would be the thing. You know, you think about the investment that that is making into those pastors when you pour into them and and make their life a little easier for that moment or equip them. I think that's probably how they would look at it. Is what is even more important than ease would be to equip them to do what God's called them to do. Strengthening, yeah. And and I had people, I had pastors and their wives come to me afterwards and start thanking me for the, and just literally start crying. Uh, just how they said, I was, it was so hard. Thank you. Mm-hmm. This has been such a, a wonderful time. And another one said, come to me and said, I was, I was going to, <laughs> well, actually one came to me in, in uh, Beirut. He said, uh, I wasn't going to come. Because I thought you're going to do what Americans always do. Tell us, tell us how to run a church and how to evangelize. And he said, I already know how to run a church. I know how to evangelize. I just needed this refreshment, this time in the mm. word. And, 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 and so, and I was going to quit. He was ready to quit. And Isn't then that says, I'm going gonna, gonna to stay in it. I'm going to stay here. Because uh, in Lebanon, they're under tremendous pressure. The financial situation where two years ago it was 1500 uh, of the, their currency to one U.S. dollar, and today it's forty-five thousand to one. Oh my goodness! And so the, that's some serious inflation rate. It's yeah. terrible, and the corruption, and 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 the Christians are are under the greatest pressure right now uh, uh, in in Lebanon. So it's just a real difficult time. So we go in and we, as well as doing the relief for the the, the their foreigners, the re- refugees. We also minister. To the national people, the church in Iraq, the, the Kurdish church in Iraq, and 
across the border. We the the Lebanese uh, church and and the Lebanese people, uh, and and so that we we minister to them also. And I know there's some expansion happening even with your group, right, Jamal? Yes, um, our um, you know vision is to go beyond Jordan. Um, I did work in uh, North Africa, Egypt, and Lebanon, Syria, and Jordan, mm-hmm. uh, Iraq, and the Gulf uh, for a number of years. And um, uh, countries like Yemen is forgotten. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's one place uh, we want to try to expand and help there. Um, but there's a lot going on actually in Jordan. So as we are new, uh, we're starting actually restart. So we want to uh, do a lot, lot more work in Jordan and then try to expand in, in the coming year or two. Mm-hmm. How long are you in the U.S. for? Three weeks. All right. Three weeks. Well, I'm really glad we got to meet you while you're here. Yeah, it's an, it's an honor for me. Yeah, this yeah. is really great. You know, I've said this so many times to both of you. Uh, I would say it freshly again. I think there's nothing more important to uh, a believer's growth and understanding the gospel spreading in our own area than to widen our gaze and to look beyond that and to see what God is doing in the country, in the world. When you think about the book of Acts, Acts chapter one, we want to be witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea, in Samaria and the ends of the earth. I mean, that, that's where we need to be. Amen. And I, I'm really quite confident that if we cut that last one off, we are nearsighted in our vision for God. We need to have that, don't we? Amen. And in today's world, it's easy to travel. It travels, I mean, it's, it's challenging, but... Uh, it can be done. It can be done. And so, you know, there's a lot more, it's a lot more available than it, than it used to be. Yeah, you used to have to jump a ship and go across and a very perilous trip across. Well, they the, would load their, their goods into coffins, I heard. Yeah. I read. <laughs> wow. Yeah. You well, just, just to say that actually the message started in the Middle East. Yes, and it went around it the world, it and did. it seems very much it's ending there again. Uh, Jesus will return uh, back uh, where actually he left from. And uh, our prayer is that, okay, Lord, we want a second Pentecost before Amen. you come. Mm. That thousands, and again, not only 3,000, let's talk about 3 million, millions of people will discover where the truth is. That's awesome. And, and kneel before the cross of Jesus Christ. Give us, Joel, give us your website one more time. Our website is www.refugecities.org. Refugecities.org and Frontier. Frontierpartners.org. All right. For both of you, Mike and Jamel, thank you for being here today. Okay. This has been most, uh, I believe, enlightening to us all. We needed to hear this. And thank you for being here. And friends, that's all of our time. We'll see you next time on Afternoons with Mike.